What is up, everyone? Welcome to Today's News Tonight, episode 75. I'm your host for this episode, obviously, Steve Bowling. As you can see, I'm joined by my good friends and GVG co-founders, Ash Paulson in the upper left, Derek Bittner in the upper right, me down on bottom. It's a Friday ritual at this point. <laughs> but before we get into the news, which we have a lot to discuss, and I'm glad to be able to say we're welcoming all our patrons for this episode. So, hi. Yes. <laughs> hi. It's, it's yeah. nice to see so many so many uh, new faces in the crowd tonight. But before we do that, we do have a sponsor for this episode, and that is our good friend Straight Lace and his game, The Soul Device. So for those of you that do not know, The Soul Device is now free to play, meaning you can just go to Steam and pick it up. And I highly recommend it because why not support someone when they're giving you something for free anyway, but also somebody who shows GVG so much love and support. And uh, here's what they have to say about their game. The Soul Device is a puzzle platformer built on the concept of making your own platforms to solve puzzles and explore the environment, consuming the player's HP in the process. There are many rooms to explore and several abilities for the player to unlock, and as of last Friday, the Soul Device is now free on Steam for anyone to pick up. If you decide to play it, the developer Straightlace would love to hear any honest feedback you have, as a sequel is currently in development, and Straightlace wants to improve upon anything the first game may falter in. Straightlace also wants to thank those who supported the game up until now, as your support has helped it reach this point. Uh, there is a link to Straightlace's YouTube channel going up in the chat here shortly. If you're watching the VOD version later on, it'll be in the description down below. Uh, thanks, as always, to Straightlace for supporting this show. Uh, we really could not make this happen without you. And the straight and the Soul Device, it's free. Go to Steam. Go get it. We'll and have a link to that. And right. And we have a little bit more new information about the Soul Device. It was uh, sent over by Straight Lace shortly, very shortly before the show. So just in case you're curious to find out more about what the game's about, the player can create temporary platforms by shooting projectiles onto walls at the cost of HP to explore a Metroidvania-style environment. The game features several abilities to unlock, areas to explore, and useful collectibles to pick up. And just as a reminder, of course, it is available now for free on Steam. So please check out our good friend Straight Lace's The Soul Device. And again, there are... Links in both in the chat and in the VOD version for those of you watching the VOD version below in the description. Yeah, I don't know if we posted in the chat, actually. So let me do that real quick. (laughs) Cool. Sorry, I'm normally the one that does that, but my computer was on fire. Yeah, Um, no worries. (laughs) uh, I also do want to mention, because we haven't talked about this in a while, Straight Lease is a longtime supporter of the channel. Uh, He actually coded in the ability to pet a dog in the the game based on the GVG community's feedback, which is great. So (laughs) keep keep it coming. I, I definitely need to finish the game. I've started it, just haven't finished it. But I'll get there someday when I have time. (laughs) <laughs> if if I ever have time. Uh, before yeah. we hop into the news, guys, uh, we both watched the, uh, or we all three of us watched the Resident <laughs> Evil Showcase yesterday, uh, which feels yes. like a lifetime ago already. But uh, <laughs> I, I know that, you know, we were all pretty hyped. I know, Derek, of course, you're over the moon about this. You know, you're, you're our top Resident Evil expert here at GVG. So uh, before we dig too deep into it, I want to get your take first. Uh, how did you feel about that uh, RE Showcase? Coming out of that, I felt like we're in for a uh, really good time. I don't know how it's going to compare to 7 just because, you know, Resident Evil has peaks and valleys when it comes to horror versus action. And, you know, you have these excellent horror games like Resident Evil you know, 2. You have great action games like Resident Evil 4. And they've never... I don't think they've ever really found a perfect balance. Maybe Resident Evil 3, but I've never actually played that one. Um so it, it, it seems like they're, they're always trying to find that perfect balance and maybe they'll get it with eight, but everything I've seen from it, the, the, uh, the characters you're coming across, the scenarios they're setting up, the extra mode with mercenaries. That's fantastic. That's great news to have that in there. Um, especially just, you know, the, the fact that we have to have that in addition to the whole reverse thing. I think mercenaries is something traditional fans prefer way more because Resident Evil multiplayer has not really ever worked out that well. (laughs) So, right. And even with reverse, right. Even like, I know Steve tried reverse and he was like, eh, maybe maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. Reverse was, it's okay. It's okay. I would play it like very casually. Like it would be a good, not fully paying attention kind of multiplayer game. Where you don't feel bad mm-hmm. if you lose, you don't feel great if you win, it's just there. <laughs> you throw it on, play it a few <laughs> rounds, maybe you stick with it if it clicks with you, if not, whatever. Yeah. So, Ash, how about you, man? What was your take on uh, RE, or on the RE showcase overall? 
Um, I thought it was pretty strong. Uh, I'm glad, unlike the Street Fighter showcase or Spring Update showcase, I'm glad there wasn't a whole segment dedicated to Zed's love of Resident Evil. I'm or any <laughs> musician's love, love uh, of Resident Evil. So uh, that was so weird. But no, I thought it was a strong showcase. Uh, I've, I have been looking forward to Resident Evil Village. I've been liking the look of it, and the latest trailer we saw only reconfirms that. I think the return of Mercenaries is a great, great surprise, great news for, for fans of the series. The only thing I really didn't like. Uh, is the needlessly, in my opinion, complicated demo rollout. Oh, yeah. they're, they're just, the messaging surrounding that, the, the schedule, I, way overcomplicated. I realize Capcom wants to be protective of what they show and let people play prior to release, but I do think there is a less confusing way they could have done that. I, I agree with that. I think that, um, you know, as a PlayStation owner, all of us, right? I'm grateful. Right. I'm, I'm really glad to have a PlayStation now because it means yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll get the demo tomorrow. Um, but I agree that when you need like a like a flowchart or a diagram to explain when when things release, y- you maybe have complicated it too much. And I feel Just like Capcom. Tab. Yeah, I, I yeah. get that Capcom probably got paid a lot to roll it out this way. <laughs> um and sure. I can't blame them, right? Like, if somebody said, hey, make a video for me, you know, give me a video early and I'll give you a million dollars, I'd be like, when, how early would you like it? <laughs> no, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Um, so I understand I, it, but yeah, it's, it's, as a fan, it's definitely annoying. And I feel bad for those folks that have an Xbox that have an arbitrary built in waiting time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame. It, it, the name also confused us because when they said eight hours of Resident Evil demo, we th- all thought like it's an uh-huh. eight hour demo, isn't it? Like that's basically enough to beat the game. Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> and then no, it's actually eight hours time frame to play it, which yeah. right really late at night. Not not surprising if you're going to be playing, you know, Resident Evil. So you kind of want it dark if you want to have the moods the mood just yeah. right. But it is weird that it starts at eight o'clock my time till uh, four in the morning. Yeah, four was, four in yeah. the morning my time. So. That's yeah. a little weird. <laughs> That'll definitely be a, a late night demo session for me. I, I absolutely want to play. Like when I was playing The Last of Us Part Two, which I did finally finish, by the way, oh, uh, wow. like a week, a week ago, uh, I would only play it at night because, you know, it's just one of those games you don't want to have, you know, glare on your TV. You don't want to yeah. hear people doing things right. outside. It's The Last of Us, right? Same with Resident Evil. Um, one thing I will say I was pleasantly surprised by was I know that Resident Evil doesn't have a great history when it comes to movies and animation and stuff, but Infinite Darkness looks pretty cool, and I have to say I'm kind of looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the supplemental stuff they showed, which usually is not a hit with me. Um, but I have to say I came away much more positive on RE8 than I was going in. It, it looks like 100% a game that I will that I will want to play through. I, I, I don't want to mm. review it, but I definitely want to on my own time <laughs> sit down and, and play through it. I will say that I'm looking forward to using like the PlayStation uh, 3D audio headphones for a game like that. I think they'll really enhance mm. the experience. Probably scare the ever-loving crap out of me, but I, I think... <laughs> I mean, uh, Resident Evil 2 sound design was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, I really that... want to get the, the Pulse headphones for PS5. I'm still rocking the PS4 ones. Did those work on the PS5? Because when I first plugged it in, it didn't seem to. I, maybe you have to install the... They work for again. me. I don't know. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll my... look into it because I would like that. The only problem is, here's the tricky part. If I use those, no sound goes to the recording device. That's the problem. Yeah, that's, that's the problem. I know. I was yeah. thinking about that today because uh, I am playing a game on PS5 for a review, and uh, I already had like a like three or four hours of footage, which is way too much already. Um, so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to play with my headphones. And I was sitting there thinking, like, why can't Sony just let the audio be channeled through the headset and and the TV so that folks like us can record audio? And I was like. And then I, when I thought about it logically, I'm like, that is such a uh, niche, niche thing. request. Yeah, uh-huh. like no, mm-hmm. nobody, you know, it, it is a content creator only problem. And Sony's probably like, yeah, whatever. But there's more and more <laughs> content creators getting out there. You know, all the streamers and whatnot. Oh, no, so. I agree. There are some weird things about Sony's firmware that just are frustrating. Like, for instance, um, now that the two of you have PS5s, you can probably lament with me on this. But when you turn on the TV by default, if you're tv was set to your ps5's input the ps5 turns on so if the last mm-hmm. thing you did was play ps5 and you turn your tv on to watch netflix or something else your ps5's like oh hey i'm hijacking everything you're gonna have to turn <laughs> me off before you can do what you wanted to do and mm-hmm. with uh the xbox you can actually tell it like hey when i turn the tv on please don't turn on the xbox but when i turn the xbox on 
please turn on the TV? And I was, I just love right. the granularity that Microsoft gives you. I'm like, how hard would it be, Sony? Just copy them. Just copy <laughs> it's them. I want funny that. because the, the TV I have um, my PS5 hooked up to, I only use for gaming. So I always just turn on the PS5 first anyway. So I've never encountered that problem. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. See, we watch Netflix in here and, and you know, uh, you guys were talking about uh, Cat. I always want to say Captain Falcon. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Although Captain Okay, Falcon so you could hear us. I'm so glad I didn't spoil anything. Good. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I'm I'm pretty well caught up. I just need to see this latest episode. And I, the, that's what we didn't want to spoil because the next, oh, no. this latest episode I, is fantastic. Yeah, I didn't so hear good. I didn't hear anything. I was in the middle of rebooting, so I'm good. Okay, um, good. But we Dude, watched so good. We watch Disney Plus and everything in here. I'm gonna watch Mortal Kombat in here when we get down to discussing that. Um and so just every time I want to watch, I have to remember my remote, which I happen to have handy. Oh, come on, focus, whatever. It has a Netflix button. And that's the only way I can avoid turning on my PlayStation 5. Because invariably, whenever I set my TV off, the last thing I did was play PS5 on it. Um, but yeah, it's it, first world problems galore. Anyway. Right. We have we have got a bunch of news to cover and not a lot of time left to do it in. <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go do ahead it. and throw up our first story on screen. And this one comes to us courtesy of Source Gaming. Uh, this is another Sakurai Famitsu column in which he discusses uh, the Fighters Pass Two, and he reaffirms essentially that uh, Fighters Pass Two is the end of DLC, or at least DLC characters for Smash Ultimate, which. He said that before, but I think, you know, folks like Ash were kind of holding out hope that we would get one more round yeah. of DLC <laughs> fighters. And I, while I understand that, I think that, you know, mm -hmm. it's all right. You know, he, he reaffirms like, hey, sure, all fighters have already been decided. Also, these are the last, you know, he, basically the exact quote is, firstly, the contents of these six DLC sets has already been decided. Secondly, there are no plans to make more beyond this. In other words, after we put the finishing, after we finish putting all of our effort into these, work on Super Smash Brothers Ultimate will finally be finished. Which good, good for Sakurai because yeah, good you know, for right, absolutely. Yeah. And he also points out that uh, this, you know, it's going to mark the end of a really an eight-year development period when you factor in Smash Four as well, Smash 3DS and Smash Wii U. So. Right. Really, I mean, it's the end of a long, long road for Sakurai. And of course, selfishly, I want this game to keep going, obviously. <laughs> you know? But I mean, you know, as, as Sakurai also points out in this article, you know, when working on Smash, he's unable to pick up any other projects. And of course, he wants to be able to do his own stuff. And we've seen how fantastic that can be when he's allowed to, to kind of create his own, own ideas like Kid Icarus Uprising, Meteos, stuff like that. So... It sucks, and I'm you know I still hope that that something happens, but I'm not expecting it. And you know again, I have so much respect for this man and what he and his team have brought to this game. If this is the end, it's been an incredible journey, and I couldn't possibly ever complain. Right? We we finish yeah. we finish up all the Smash DLC, and the next thing he makes is a Medios ninety nine. <laughs> right? Oh man, you know. Um, he, he also says, again, um, he can't say definitively that Smash won't continue on, as it's already lasted this long, but uh, that the next game likely won't have as much content as Ultimate does. There will be very likely be less characters, so to enjoy it, yeah. enjoy this while we have it. And he said that many times before, and I think it does bear repeating, there isn't going to be another Ultimate. So I think that's, that's one reason the end of development hits so hard in particular for this game, is that... We know there's that this is never going to happen again, and probably in the history of the series ever, at least based on what Sakurai said, there's never going to be another game like Ultimate. The next game will probably be a scaled down reboot of some sort. Whatever it is, it's not going to have 85 plus characters pulling from all these incredible third parties. So enjoy it while we have it, and I sh I sure have been thankful for the whole Smash Ultimate experience, yeah. and, and we, thankfully and we, it's not over yet. Yeah, and we can always ask for more. You know, even reasonable things that uh you know for ultimate that you know we'd love to see such as you know more echo fighters that'd be pretty simple like give pac-man a bow miss pac-man boom boom we get a, another character right that people would enjoy or get the other uh levels that we didn't have from before put those in there somehow that that sort of stuff that puts in the ultimate ex really does make it the ultimate experience smash run would be another big thing I think. smash run would be nice even beyond i think i think smash run actually would be the real perfect capper to content in 
Smash. Yeah, Sports. that would be pretty cool. As long as it was not uh, every every player wasn't in their own instance, like there was in the 3DS version, and everybody could actually interact on the same board. I think that would be the yeah. ideal way to implement it. Like, Steve, I think I, it was you that brought up one one time that uh, you could maybe see them adding maybe you know not not another pass, but maybe here and there, like in as part of a direct, like oh hey, here's a one bespoke new character or something coming to Smash. Like maybe we'll get once in a while updates following fighters pass volume two. But of course this is the last season pass. Yeah. The optimist in me says that (laughs) Nintendo is going to realize that, you know, a new direction for smash is going to take more time than they think. Like they're going to have to retool smash in general to, to come out with something. They have to go with a radical departure from what the current formula has been, because we've kind of reached the apex of what the original Smash design is at this point. This is still very mm. much rooted in the original Smash Brothers, uh, you know, mechanically, right? It, it, you know, Mario still has a lot of moves that he had in OG Smash. Uh, you know, same <laughs> yeah, goes for Link. Yeah. Same goes for all those core characters. Um, and I think what could happen is we could have a Splatoon 2 type of scenario where Nintendo goes, it's up, we're done, we're out. And then, you know, they realize, like, oh, man, we really have to go back to the drawing board with Smash, and we're going to need time. We need to keep the fans uh, interested while we figure out what's next. And, you know, what easier way than crank out a character, right? Like, oh, hey, we're going to drop a... I mean, it, a it's also character. one of those things, a perfect way to advertise a new Nintendo character. That, you know, uh, Furkar was talking about new IPs. Boom, put that IP in Smash, uh, give them a little bit of advertisements, and mm-hmm. yep. Smash fans are like, well, I'm intrigued now. I'm curious. This is a cool uh, move set. I want to check out this new character. Yep. And as I Horizon can... Brave points out, it's not even the optimist that you need to channel. You just need to remember Nintendo is a company that loves some free money. And that's the thing is that it, no matter what they do with, with Smash Ultimate, if they do decide to do more content, they know going in that it's a cash cow. They can just conjure up a new character what it, from wherever it is, first party, third party, whatever, or a stage pack or whatever. You know, they, they can just basically say, we want money. Let's make a smash stage pack or a costume pack or whatever. And it's going to make money. And yep. it's easy. And not would, easy to develop, mm-hmm. but it's easy to conclude that it'll make money. I would bet good money, too, that when this is all done, we'll see a new retail skew that's just the ultimate edition of smash. I ultimate can see or that something. Oh yeah. It just has all yeah. the DLC on the card already or, or something. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I'm honestly really excited for what the future of smash is post in a post ultimate world. Like what do we, where do we go from here? And I keep fantasizing about like a, like a power stone esque kind of smash game, like a fully 3d smash. And I think that would be mm-hmm. really cool. I think you'll still have, your audience that wants that kind of side side view 2D-ish smash experience. But I could see Nintendo just, you know, rewriting the whole playbook on the on the franchise and you know taking do it. Do you back think Nintendo would ever work with Capcom and do it like a traditional Nintendo versus Capcom? Uh, I want that fighter. so much. I I think it before Smash Ultimate I would have said no. I think in a again in a post Smash Ultimate world, I mean why not? Ryu and Mario have already crossed fifth crossed fists <laughs> yeah crossed paths yeah. whatever they've they've already fought <laughs> ryu has roundhouse kicked mario in the face so yeah past that point you can't really the the you know these brands don't fit together argument doesn't hold water anymore so mm-hmm. i would love to see a nintendo cross capcom game something that has just the the chops that capcom brings to the table from a 2d fighter perspective with the with the characters we love from it like man i think about Samus having uh like her version of of her smash uh her final smash where she shoots I mean just the huge kind of imagine beam, you know? Iron that Man be, <laughs> yeah Iron Man yeah. Cyclops Ryu like you know they could uh there's definitely work for that I think that oh man I want that now that that's gonna eat away at my brain <laughs> <right> now <laughs> yeah. um, it would work so Squire- well. Squire makes a great point. Says, Ash, well, I've tempered my expectation for Sora. Him coming in for update 13.0 would be a hilarious coincidence. That would be perfect. That That's the only way that could even, like, even better than Sora making it all. Yeah, Sora 13.0. That is perfect. <laughs> but I, too, have tempered my expectations. I'm not ready to completely give up the dream. Like, I think it's like a 1% chance, but I've certainly tempered my hopes for Sora, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I agree. All right. So anyway, talking about things from Nintendo that that are coming to an end, let's go ahead and get our next story up on screen here. 
And uh, this one comes from AK Family Home at on Twitter. And uh, basically, they noticed that the official North American site for Nintendo Labo at labo.nintendo.com is just gone. It redirects to the Labo VR kit, and that is all. Uh, which, I mean, kind of spells the, the end of Labo, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I'm, so. I mean, yeah. I'm not surprised. I, I really nah. am not. I think that... Labo was one of those things that I applaud the ingenuity. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. I I built a Labo kit. I built a couple Labo kits, and I Same. like them. I think that they are remarkably uh, innovative. You know, they they make good use of the Switch's unique technology, but ultimately they're eighty dollar boxes of cardboard, and that is really hard to justify, especially like. I feel like Nintendo didn't know who the audience was. I'm a dork, and I love dorky, cool, nerdy stuff like that. But I also have kids, and I feel like it was kind of marketed toward kids. But kids are going to destroy these things, like, quickly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My kids did. One of my... uh, Let's see. My Labo piano, my daughter barfed into. And and my, uh, my Labo VR set, my wife found and was just like, what is this garbage? And just threw it away. <laughs> so, oh, no, the VR one. That's oh, terrible. No. Yeah. <laughs> so so what you're saying, Steve, is that your daughter was trying to lay down some sick beats? Yes, exactly. <laughs> nice. Is... I, I applaud that effort. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's it is, a shame it's... of all the ones that, that your wife could have thrown away that it was the VR kit. Because at least for me, that was always my favorite. I, I've also you know, built I a didn't... few VR kits. Um, fa- people who have been with us for a long time will remember the eight or eight plus hour stream in which I built Labo uh, back in GX. Like, and my hands oh, still haven't quite recovered. I still feel the cardboard scars. Um, but yeah, the, the VR kit was my favorite, and it's it's that's too bad that that's the one she happened to I, find and throw out. I think I think that's the thing is they took also took forever to put together because mm-hmm. uh, and then where the heck do you store them? Like the the robot kit, the toy Robo thing that you would do and it's oh just, yeah ugh. like it's a huge backpack with other stuff and it's it's flimsy strings because... everywhere that you want to get tangled yeah i i think nintendo didn't think this product fully through like it, it is a mm-hmm. really cool idea i would have loved it if these were just made of plastic damn it <laughs> like yeah i i respect that they're made of cardboard i respect that they are something you know the the process of folding them but when you're in hour four of folding cardboard and putting stickers on things and aligning joy con yeah. just right you're yeah like, i don't care anymore i just yeah. want it to work I think that's why. How long did Labo VR take to put together? Like hour tops. I, I I've never bought a single Labo because I'm like I do not have the space. I do not have the in- interest. It's just not for me. I'd say yeah. the VR kit took my wife and uh, and I about I don't know two and a half hours maybe to put together two oh, hours. Wow. Yeah, and it wasn't like super long. It wasn't super. If I remember correctly, we put it together. You know, obviously quite a while ago. But, you know, Steve, as you were saying, I think the real value of Labo, despite maybe it's mismarketing or Nintendo not really knowing what its audience was, was just the sheer ingenuity. And as Cody, I'm sorry, Petit or Pettit says in the chat, the dev kit included with the VR kit is so open-ended and un-Nintendo. And that's, mm. I think, the, the real shame here in losing Labo is that, especially with the VR kit and, and the fact that you could essentially code your own games, that is very un-Nintendo-like. And I don't know if we'll ever see something like ever that's a long time obviously but i don't know when the next time we'll see something quite like that from nintendo will be and it's very just it was very unlike them to again include something so open-ended for their consumers yeah i i think it really showed that nintendo still has that kind of spark of of weirdness and genius within the company and i i love to see it it's just yeah it was a it was kind of an ill-conceived product it should have been honestly they should have found a way to reduce the price dramatically for it and mm-hmm. simple simplify the build process just because i mean expecting someone to spend three and a half four hours on cardboard that you are then always going to be stressed out about how to store is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, then, and, and keeping yeah. kids interested for that long oh yeah i i have a perfect story about that uh so i have never bought a labo kit i was uh with nintendo life at the time and they sent me uh the labo kit knowing that i had Uh, daughters and they're like hey this would be great like if you want to build it with your kid and maybe you can write an article about your experience and I was like yeah that's really cool so it came in I picked up my daughter from school we went to the dining room table we sat down opened it and I was like hey we're gonna make a piano ironically the piano the same daughter later barfed into um (laughs) 
And she was like, oh, my like that experience. You know, they, they do the little teaser. They show you what it's going to be when it's done. She's watching it with me. I'm like, yeah, we just got to make this. And it's about two hours till bedtime where we get 30 minutes in and she looks at me and she's like, daddy, just uh, come get me when it's done. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to watch TV. I was like, okay. <laughs> it was yeah, heartbreaking, but it. she was also totally right to do that. I was like, oh, yeah, this is not yeah. fun. Yeah. But what are yeah. you going to do? Labo Labo was cool. I think it was a great experiment, a worthy, a worthy thing to try. But just I don't think the market was there for it. I don't no. think there was a right, right. way to market. Just a what little they too out. out there. Yeah, just a little bit. That yeah. said, please make a WarioWare. <laughs> I, will, yeah. I will buy that. Please continue to be weird, Nintendo. You're good at it. Yeah. And 99% of the time, it's a it's a hit. Mm. WarioWare and Rhythm Heaven. I, and, I, you know, I kind of want... It's accessories that gets tricky. Yep. Yeah, weird exactly. accessories don't always work. Yeah, you know, WarioWare, Rhythm Heaven, and since Metopia is getting a Switch port, I'd like to see an HD version of Tom Dachi Life. I enjoyed that game. It was kind of weird and different, and like you, were, you guys are saying, I like when Nintendo does weird and different. So hopefully we get I, one, two, or all three of those things. I want another game like uh, Rusty's Real Deal Baseball, where you can yeah, that was cool. Oh, yeah. on the price of the actual game. <laughs> like, you could just be like, no, I don't want to pay that, and he'll eventually be like, all right, dude, I'll just give me a buck. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I want Nintendo to feel the way I feel when I'm selling things. Like, yeah, just come on, leave me alone. If you stop talking, I'll sell it <laughs> just to take, I just uh-huh. <laughs> I'll give you a good deal if you just say yes. God, okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, speaking of good deals, I'm, I've am i got something that I think uh, Derek's going to be super excited about coming up next. I'm so happy. Hell yes, I'm hyped too. And I, I will be the first to admit I'm a bad, bad, bad fan. I have not watched this yet. But Castlevania is oh, getting a fourth dude, and man. final season on Netflix. And apparently they are also uh, looking to create a new series contained within the Castlevania universe. Uh, so, Derek, I'm going to throw this to you because I know you, you have feels about this. So tell me, tell me what's I, up I, with this. Well, first of all, I didn't, actually, until like you, we gathered the news, I didn't realize that we got a release date or uh, that it would be the last season. So I saw this like, same. that's interesting. And hey, May 13th, that's pretty soon. Um, you know, we're coming towards the you know, midpoint of April, uh, basically a month. That's perfect for me waiting after uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier and waiting till Loki uh, to get to get <laughs> this content in. I am totally down. And I'm actually kind of okay with it being the final season especially with them saying that there's possibilities for more for more you know other seasons and uh getting you know because that that's kind of what we've always wanted i've actually been surprised how long they've kept with the trevor storyline and it's you know they kind of worked in curse of darkness which is smart if you want to keep with keep trevor in the eyes since that's what everybody's familiar with but this is the perfect way to get other Castlevania stuff in there. If they can keep this sort of um, look and just vibe and have almost same continuity, it's just a different cast. That's how we get Richter. That's how we get Simon. That's how we get way into the future and really carry through this Castlevania series and sort of adapt them and really make it something. And I, I saw somebody in the comments that I think this deadline article is like, make it like Jojo. I'm like, yes, make it like Jojo's bizarre <laughs> adventure, have each one be its own thing. And, uh, just keep it going. Um, it is it is the perfect uh, adaptation. Give each one two or three seasons. Keep it going for a while. Hopefully, it you know we get more and more as we go through. But there is so many good ideas with this, and um, I, I I think if they want to keep doing that, and if they successfully get that from Netflix, uh, they need it. I think this season sort of needs to establish Dracula's resurrection, or at least right kind of set it up because you know dracula isn't quite the villain anymore it's camilla and whatever isaac's up to it's a a little different there um but i am so excited i am both okay and not okay with it being the final season like you derek i didn't know it was going to be the final season i didn't know we had a date until we got it today and i'm so excited right because i have loved this show i'm a huge fan of the castlevania show and i just love castlevania in general um my wife and i've been watching it together we love it and we always prefer for shows to go out in their own terms and not just be forced to continue and stretch out plot lines. That's a good thing. On the other hand, I found season three to be the relative low point of the show, or at least part of season three. 
And that's mainly the the Alucard, the, what happened with Alucard in season three. He didn't get a whole lot to do in season three. And I kind of felt like his story didn't really go enough places for me personally. And so I do wish we had a little more than one more season just to see more of him and have him kind of catch I, back up and get to do well, more. Is, I don't think he's gone for good because, again, if right. you think you're not gonna, they're, they're not going to add that. Richter into Alucard, you know, um, is totally going to happen. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Yeah. We are getting that stuff. And especially because you can totally make, uh, uh, you know, have that connection with Maria, because honestly, one of the big losses for having this se- section of Castlevania end is Sypha, which they've done amazing mm. things with Sypha's character. I love this version of Sypha so much, so much. It she's is perfect. The in most this personality show. she's ever had. Yeah, Ever. it's great. Yeah. And and the way that she and Trevor play off each other, they're such appealing versions of these characters. And mm. so even if I am sad to see it ending, um, I am certainly going to be there for all of season four. I've watched all of it so far. I'm going to see it through to the end. And, you know, I certainly trust this team and this studio with a sequel series. And, you know, again, I think when, when this was all announced, we were all like Konami is going to, you know, they're they're going to sign off on a Castlevania anime for Netflix, this is going to be a disaster. And it wasn't. It was fantastic. So I'm excited to see what, if anything, they have planned for, you know, beyond this particular series. From hearing y'all talk, I have got to watch this. (laughs) Dude, you need to watch this show. It it is... So different from what you'd expect from a Castlevania show. It's it's not just Trevor going through the castle and beating up things. It's it's no. they go in a very different way while still capturing sort of the spirit of it and things that they the references they have. Um, it is a fantastic show and definitely M rated. <laughs> like they go, nice. it's hard, very hard. dark, very gory. Hey, very, actually, Adam that. Davis just asked, "How gory is it?" Very, very, <laughs> it's like, very. What? Um, I will. I when, will when Dracula unleashes his forces in season one, here is your. I don't mm-hmm. think it ever gets much worse than this, which is uh, when Trevor first gets to the town and he sees one of the monsters just carry off a baby in his mm-hmm. mouth. Right. Oh, like, right. I remember that. Yeah. That always stuck with me. It's like, whew. It never quite goes beyond that. And it's not graphic. Like, I don't see it rip the baby apart. It's just a baby wow. in the thing. Evernight mouth. Studio in the chat. You see an eyeball get ripped out of a band's skull kind of gory. <laughs> yep. All right. You sure do. Well, I guess I won't eat while I watch, but I'll watch. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. pretty good with gore and anime. Um, I'm interested to see it. All right. Now, now, hopefully... Hold together, computer. I just need you for like 30 more minutes. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, let, let me go ahead and get our next story. I'm, I'm out of clever segues. <laughs> All right. So our uh, next story is about uh, we're continuing on a piece of reporting from a previous episode. Uh, we've got some new details about Sonic the Card Game. Uh, apparently, it's for two to six players and you pick a character from Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, Amy, Shadow and Blaze. Uh, and you race through new levels. Uh, here's a breakdown of the flow of the game from the, uh, I, I don't know, do you call them card game developers, makers, creators? But either way, the folks yeah. behind the Sonic card game. Each time a new card is placed, they must decide whether to keep racing to try and grab a bigger pot of rings or to retire and collect their share of the rings and bonus cards on the table. If players keep racing, they risk running into enemies and losing lives, but the chance to win more rings and bonus cards could be tempting enough to keep racing on. Uh, As you can see on the screen right now, the only image available for the game is the box itself, which I'm not going to lie, I don't really like... (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, well, all... it just uses stock renders of all the characters. Yeah. These are all renders we've seen before in yeah. various other Sonic It, it media. feels like an intern was just told, like, yep, just throw some Sonic pictures on the box. It'll be fine. They'll buy whatever we throw at them. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I still don't have a feel for this game. I love Sonic. I like card games, uh, even though they're very hard to play right now <laughs> because having people over to your house is a just fundamentally bad idea. But right. I, uh, I I I could see it being at least interesting enough. Like have have a few friends over, have a few drinks. You know, whether the game is good or bad, it probably still be funny. <laughs> see, I see this more as this is something to play with kids. 
this isn't this isn't Bloodborne, the the the, the game, or uh-huh. uh, you know all the other game ad- adaptations that have gotten board games. Uh, in in that sense, sense, it's just sort of like I, I think somebody compared it to Uno, which yeah, I kind of can see that. It, it's literally just like ah, we'll risk it, we'll risk it, we're getting rings, we're getting rings. Okay, I'm going to stop and then trying to prevent it. There's no real strategy; it's all random. Joseph Bayer here is cracking me up. Do you have any damn kings? Go fish is how I imagine that going in my head. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I want to say I care about this, but I don't. I love Sonic. Yeah. But when I see this card game, I just I'd rather just go play Sonic Mania, I guess. Now, to be <laughs> fair, or any or any Sonic video game, to be fair, though, I'm not really into card games, so I'm a bit biased yeah. here. But but that description from Steamforged sounded so boring to me. And I'm just like. Not for me, I guess. I hope it turns out well, and maybe card game lovers will like it, but I would be lying if I said I had any interest in this whatsoever. I'm a little more enthusiastic, and that's only because when I think about the card games I do enjoy, if I had to write a paragraph to describe them, it'd sound boring. And so, like, I love Sushi Go sounds boring on paper. Um I'm I'm trying to think of other other like I feel like I think, friends have described board games to me in the past and be like that sounds cool so but it's yeah. board games I don't really play card games or deck I'm actually it's it's kind of surprising this isn't a deck building game yeah I was gonna say like a Sonic TCG mm-hmm. could be really cool um but whatever I mean I will I, say I'll go, oh, go ahead I just I, I appreciate that they're they're using Blaze here uh, I was actually you know, Blaze is actually one of my favorite characters from the whole series and I'm like if, if they're gonna pick six. I'm really surprised Blaze made the cut, but I'm glad yeah. she did, and that's cool. Yeah, I, I feel like people like Blaze, but they don't really know what to do with her. <laughs> right. True. Well, especially because they like they retconned her whole story in Sonic 06, which in like the worst way possible. Yeah, I I still yeah. need to play that game, and by need I mean I'm desperately avoiding. But, um, <laughs> all right, so let's let's go ahead and move from one one Sega property to another here with our next story. I don't have a lot to say on this one. Uh, basically, a rating for Super Monkey Ball Banana Mania has surfaced in Australia, um, but there's no real uh, hint as to what platforms uh, this game is coming on, if I remember correctly. Uh, mm. So so we just kind of know that there's a new Monkey Ball game coming, or or possibly even, you know, just this might be the name please, for a remake. Please let this just be uh, Super Monkey Ball 1 and 2. Yes. Combat, right. Combo. Because there there were rumors going around a while ago that they were remastering those games for modern platforms, and then those rumors just kind of disappeared. And I love Super Monkey Ball, and Monkey Ball 2, I think, is still the best in the series. I think most people would probably agree. Um, Banana Blitz HD came out in 2019. Banana Blitz is a fine game. It looks nice. It sounds great, but it's not really the peak of the series in terms of level design and gameplay. So I'm with you guys. Uh, I, I really hope Banana Mania is that set of remasters of one and two maybe with some new content as well that that we've been hearing about but super monkey ball one was one of my favorite experiences on the gamecube i imported a gamecube and got monkey ball just because i was like oh there's like three games available so i'll I'll get (laughs) monkey ball along with wave race and luigi's mansion why not got the full set and uh I, I thought that Monkey Ball would just be like a throwaway game that I wasn't going to love, but I just got it so I could say I bought every GameCube game at launch. And I ended up dumping hundreds of hours into that game. I love it's it such a good game. so much. It kicked I mean, my butt. I had such a, I could never beat it. It was like, I, I think I could, couldn't even beat normal. <laughs> I was just terrible at it. I had yeah, fun. It took me a while. Terrible. Yeah. It, it, it really... I, I think it came out at the right time because most folks were still just getting used to analog sticks on console games. You know, Mm -hmm. we had the N64 generation and then the GameCube one was what I would call the first modern analog stick that actually felt good, didn't blister your hands to use. (laughs) And uh, it, it made me appreciate like how sensitive a good analog stick could be because you had to be very precise with Monkey Ball to not kill yourself constantly and... It, it, I mean, with Mario, you know, you could just hold forward and just yeah. treat it treat it like a D-pad for the most part. You kind of uh, get tricked because there's a few times playing Monkey Ball, uh, Super Monkey Ball, that I feel like I'm actually controlling the ball and not the level yep. because it's just you just get that feeling. It's weird. It, mm-hmm. it really is. They did a. It, it's so subtle, like the environmental movement that you can you can definitely trick your mind into thinking that you're just steering I.I. or whoever around and. 
it, you have to remind yourself that you are not moving him at all. You're just moving the ground underneath his feet. And then right. it, then I feel like it becomes a, a little easier. Um, I also love the mini games in Monkey Ball. Like, Monkey uh, Fight. Monkey, Monkey Target. Target. Yeah, Monkey oh, yeah. Target oh, yeah. was my jam. Yeah. Oh, man. If this came to Switch, I'd buy it day one. No doubt. Uh, if um, it came yes, to anything, same. I'd buy it day one. I mean, as long as it was one and two. If we're, if we're getting like a new Monkey Ball game... I'm going to need to see reviews first. Yeah, I'm, I'm going right. to need to see uh, some gameplay. <laughs> yeah, I need, yeah. I need someone so, uh, to trust. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, and, and another thing the, the Monkey Ball games do well, at least the, the first two, if you have like vertigo in real life or you just like have any sort of issue with heights, the sense of scale, like when you're teetering along those really thin ledges and you're you're just about to fall off it can kind of give you like your stomach can drop a little bit yep. and, like i don't even have vertigo i'm fine with heights in real life but even i when i'm playing those games i'm sometimes like oh i feel like my stomach stomach's gonna drop so that's funny to me because i do have a you know a slight fear of heights and i never got that feeling from monkey oh, okay. ball but i did get it from like when i was going over the waterfalls in klonoa too so i don't know oh fair enough Some uh azran outdoing themselves in the chat saying when monkey ball went downhill we went from who wants this game me me to who wants this game i i i oh wow <laughs> that's really that is, good yeah that's pretty nice. good that's pretty good <laughs> all right so speaking of uh long dormant franchises let's get our our next uh, story up on the screen and uh, this one's interesting. We reported previously on the fact that uh, one of the key figures behind F-Zero, Takaya Imamura, was retiring from Nintendo, and we speculated on what that meant for the series. Uh, IGN, uh, specifically Adam Bankhurst over at IGN, uh, had the opportunity to talk to uh, Mr. Imamura, and he basically said that F-Zero isn't dead, but it's just hard to bring back. And uh, the implication being that Nintendo doesn't really know what to do because they felt like f-zero gx was the ultimate incarnation of the f-zero franchise which all right <laughs> i feel like you've had enough time to sure so far that, that makes me terrified like they're like well we put smash brothers ultimate ultimate was right in the name you never get another one again. <laughs> once nah. we deem something ultimate we're done with it forever <laughs> uh so i i i hope that f-zero comes back i'm honestly not the world's biggest fan of the franchise just because i don't i don't know what it is about these super fast racing games but oh, i'm terrible at them exactly i suck at these uh -huh. games man so i i pick them up and i'm like ooh, this would be really cool if i wasn't hitting shit every five <laughs> seconds <laughs> but i i love watching people that are good at them play them i'm just not that person so i mean mm -hmm. it, it would definitely uh be something that i watched a lot on twitch but probably not a game i would pick up myself i think that it is weird to say that, that F-Zero GX was like the ultimate, like you don't really, with racing games, I don't think you need to be as innovative as you do with other genres, you know? And that, that's what kind of strikes me as that's, odd every time we hear about yeah. F-Zero, Nintendo always thinks they have to have some grand, as they said here, grand ideas, some change, something to make it work. What is wrong with just taking what worked yeah. with F-Zero GX and making a new game? The only, and I mean, for this series, 1080p slash Switch Pro upscaled to 4K maybe, plus 60 FPS, that combination is innovating for F-Zero because, you know, the ultimate F-Zero is still an SD game and nothing wrong with standard definition, yep. but times have changed, tech has moved on, and F-Zero, as beautiful as those games are, that's why I want to see an HD or Ultra HD F-Zero game. and. Sweet. I would play the hell out of a new F-Zero. I love arcade racers. I'm not necessarily that good at F-Zero, but I just enjoy the hell out of it. I love the settings of the tracks. I never really cared much about the extended or the, the like the universe stuff. Like Captain Falcon's cool. Samurai Goro's cool. I couldn't really name any other characters from, from that <laughs> universe. I don't really care about the story, but just that gameplay and and the track settings, the, the grungy futuristic vibe. I love F-Zero. Nintendo doesn't have anything else like it. And... I get their love of innovation. That's fine. But it is at least a strong opinion of mine that innovation isn't a prerequisite to quality. Just make a really damn good F-Zero game that leans on what made F-Zero so great in the first place. I don't see the need for this big new twist or angle. And uh, Derek, I know you were saying the same thing. So, I, You know, I want to I put something out into the universe in hopes that it happens, though. I was thinking about... <laughs> um, 
games that are too fast after we started talking here, like games that I have issues with. I'm not very good at Twitch-based shooters. I'm not good at, you know, these super fast racing games. But you know what does help? Having a 120 hertz display to play them on. <laughs> and, there you go. You know, they, they've been saying, if the rumors are true, the Switch uh, Pro or whatever they'll call it, which I hope is just the Super Switch. I really want it to be the Super Switch. But whatever this mm -hmm. next iteration of the Switch is, people you know, are claiming it will do 4K 60 FPS, right? Or that it will be capable of that in certain titles. Now, if you do a little math, 4K <laughs> 60 FPS is also from a bandwidth perspective, meaning how much data you can send through to the TV, the same as 1080p 120 FPS. And I would absolutely play the hell out of an f-zero game that ran at 120 hertz at 1080p so that i could actually <laughs> see what the hell was going on <laughs> i'm just yeah. saying nintendo if you can do 4k 60 you can do 1080 120 make it happen well and also you know, nintendo doesn't even have to do it themselves i mean sega were at least partially responsible for the development of f-zero gx if not completely responsible and give it back to to that to that team if, if that team is still able to come together and do that i don't I was know about but to say, that's that's a big you know end. yeah i mean it's been a long yeah, time amusement vision is still around yeah right. amusement vision themselves i don't yeah i don't think they are but you know if nintendo doesn't feel like doing this in-house there are other developers we could talk about here and i know they're you know they're not always about farming their they're hey. very rarely about farming their french franchises out to indie developers but sheenan man let sheenan take a crack at this it's, it's worth <laughs> like, mentioning that bandai namco also has worked on f-zero you could. You oh, really? Could. Yeah. Pac-Man was in the arcade version. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, I right. forgot. Yeah. So you, you could hand it over to the people you trust with fucking Smash Brothers. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. If, if one developer outside of Nintendo has proven themselves, it's Bandai Namco. Mm-hmm. I'm just Mach saying. Mach 5 Mike says a lot of the folks who worked on, uh, on F-Zero GX are on the Yakuza dev team. So they're still around. But, of course, they're, they're Ryo Gakotoku, which I guess is. is I, I, I think I. I forget. I'm so sorry. I don't know. I forget who this said this on Twitter, but I loved it. Uh, you know, yes, they are the Yakuza devs. Make Captain Falcon, put a Captain Falcon into a Yakuza like game with oh, racing. Man, are you kidding me? If I could play as Captain Falcon in a Yakuza style game where he just beats the ever loving tar out of people and then races, <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah. doing platitudes like hear you, like, I feel like that it's a really good fit. <laughs> yeah, I, I would play. Um, that. Steve, are you sure that Pac-Man was an F-Zero AX? Because he was in Mario Kart Arcade GP. I'm sorry. That's what I'm Namco thinking. worked on that. Okay, I was going to say. Okay. I yeah, okay. I, yeah, for, okay. Oh, whatever. They trusted him with Mario Kart, which we know Nintendo values more than F-Zero anyway. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny G says Yakuza like a Falcon. I'd play it. Yep. I'd play it. Absolutely. Yep. All right. I, I don't have any kind of segue to this next story because it's <laughs> this just one's so weird. weird. <laughs> but... Yeah. It, it's uh, it's definitely right up Ash's alley for sure, and maybe mine a little bit. Kinda. I don't know. I, I'm only just now getting a chance to look at this. Yeah, so let me let's... let me throw this on screen real quick. And that is this is from Proto Dudes Rockman Corner. Making Mega Man Code Legend has been announced for North America, and it is apparently a game in which you get to program your own Mega Man game. I'm I'm gonna play the trailer because I haven't seen it, and I don't know how the hell you do it, but on the page, I'm, I'm scrolling yeah. for those of you that are viewing. There's like a weird attachment that you wear. And it's right. It's almost and like it's, a new power glove. It is a bit. And it's worth noting that this isn't uh, this wasn't made in-house at Capcom. This is officially licensed by Capcom, but it was made by Artec Company, who, who I never heard of before this. And it's cool. It's weird because, like, of course, I'm excited about a new Mega Man announcement, but it's like not the Mega Man announcement or any of the Mega Man announcements that, any, that fans want. But it's still cool that they're doing it, right? And this was something that was released in Japan a little while ago called, um, under the name Make Rockman. And I think most of us just kind of assumed something so niche would never come to the U.S. or to the West at all. But it is. And so that's just kind of cool that, you know, Capcom has enough faith that this has a place at market outside of Japan that they're bothering to localize it. So yeah. the trailer doesn't do a thing for me. I'm not a coder. No. And I got to say, this looks a bit janky to me anyway, even if I was a coder. Uh, it looks yeah. a little bit off-brand. So when I when I hear that something lets you code your own game, I'm thinking like it, it'll step you through actual development tools or actually 
you know, like walk you through what someone would actually do if they were making a game. And, and this is definitely not that. This is like shades of Mario Maker that I'm seeing in this right. game. And, Although uh, our very good friend John Cartwright might love this because the uh, the included Artec Robo 2.0 acts as a programmable gyro controller, calling all John Cartwrights. I feel like he he might need this thing, man. <laughs> I I like that folks saw my YouTube recommendations, and one is uh, Scott the Waz, and the other is uh, Lo-Fi Zelda. Yeah, I, I watch a lot of good <laughs> nice. things on YouTube. All right. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> And by the way, Scott's Virtual Boy episode is wonderful. Everyone should watch it. It's really funny. <laughs> and for those of you that are wondering, we do have a cameo somewhere in this season. Even I don't know where it is, though. I've been watching every episode looking for it. <laughs> Hasn't happened <laughs> no. yet, but you'll see me with an old haircut in there at some point. Um, <laughs> I, um, classy yeah. Mudkit point makes a good point. Not the Mega Man game with Legend in, in the title we all wanted. Not, yeah. not, not, not so much. Not yeah. So much. <laughs> Sorry, Derek. You were you were about to say something. No, I just it's just sort of like still blown away by the fact that they decided to make the power glove again. Yeah, yeah, really weird. I didn't like the thing where you slide a, a thing into the glove to give Mega Man a power up either. This just me neither. It feels a bit too toy like, and Mega yeah, Man, yeah, at least for me, is a game I take seriously because they're usually damn hard. You're <laughs> so, not gonna be able. To, you have to get really good at this thing to beat 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 a Mega Man game with that. With yeah. those controls. Well, and, and this is kind of adjacent to the whole point of it, but like, it, yet again, the trailer draws primarily from Mega Man 2, and I just feel like that's just the that's just the go-to for anybody who's making a, a, a licensed Mega Man product anything. Mega Man 2 is just like the de facto what they go to. And yep. I mean, at least we got a charge shot. <laughs> that's true. We got Mega Man 4's uh, charge or style of the charge shot. That's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is cool. It, but it's not like I'm it's just not for me. Yeah. Even as a huge Mega Man fan, it's just not for me. I could have seen it if it was if it was a more standard development tool, like it taught kids how to code for real. Uh this is not that, not even remotely close. So I, I, I think if I wanted a make your own Mega Man kind of thing, I, I'd much rather see uh, Mega Man Universe come to fruition, which looked mm -hmm. kind of like it had your own yeah. building elements. I, that's how yeah. I want a a low skill barrier. Uh, I mean, build your own I feel like game. I'm like you know fans have done it, but a Mega Man Maker makes more sense as well. Yes, that's right. Well, and that's the thing is, Capcom kind of already did that themselves in Mega Man Powered Up. There is a, a level editor mode, that in that, and true. it was actually good. It was really good, and so they could totally make a game anchored around that, but. You know, they they tried. I guess with Mega Man Universe, the concept never really made it that far. Uh, I don't know if it's because of the of the level building element that it didn't make it far, or if there are other problems in development. But I do think that there is a a real yeah. know, place for a Mega Man maker. I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. All right, one last story, and then we're done. And hopefully, my computer lasts throughout. <laughs> so let me get that up on screen. And it's kind of a feel-good story in a sense. I mean, not like the humanitarian sense or anything like that, but Mario Kart 8 is now the best-selling racing game in U.S. history, which is wild. Um, so it basically, I'll just read the, the whole thing. Mario Kart 8 has reached a major milestone in the United States. According to the latest data from the NPD, it's now the best-selling racing genre video game in U.S. history. NPD doesn't indicate whether that information only includes the Switch version, but we'd assume the original Wii U title is lumped in as well. It's worth noting that Mario Kart 8 Deluxe was the sixth best-selling game in the U.S. last month. Despite Jeez. being a few years old, it still manages to place high on the charts regularly. Damn! I mean, every right? time yeah. people say we need Mario Kart 9, I, I have to look at those sales numbers and think, I mean, Nintendo probably doesn't agree. <laughs> they're, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're still probably very happy with Mario Kart 8's performance. And I can't blame them. Mario Kart 8 is a fantastic game, but I do understand the fan complaint. Like, it is now a very old game. I mean, right. You know, it's easy yeah. to forget how how long ago it actually came out. I think because it's aged so well, it's still all this time later. It's it's a very nice looking game. It's just it, it's yeah. very pleasant to behold, and it doesn't feel like an old game. Really, I mean, I, I mean it. Yeah, when Nintendo sent out Switch Lite review units, they send them out with copies of Mario Kart Eight to highlight how good things look on the system. I mean, uh, fair play. <laughs> it, yeah. uh, it still looks really good. Um, yeah. 
Um, yeah. Squire points out a great point, or uh, points out some, uh, Mario Kart Tour is taunting me with a superior roster in an inferior game. And that's that's kind of the thing, is like, as, as, as old as Mario Kart 8 doesn't feel, it definitely, you know, that, that same roster of tracks and characters certainly feels dated when you compare it to a much worse game, but with a much better selection of characters and costumes mm. in Mario Kart Tour. And there are so many cool additions uh, to yep. the roster in Tour that I'd love to see in a mainline Mario Kart game. But nothing else, nothing else for Mario yeah. Kart Tour should ever be anywhere well, close. Well, the whole driving to backwards to the course, that's kind of cool. Okay, sure. Yeah. But, yeah. But, yeah, Mario Kart Tour is a flaming turd of a game. I don't think any of us <laughs> any of us want to want to inherit, especially the controls. Good God. Uh, mm, don't don't yeah, give me yeah. gotcha elements in, in Mario Kart. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll play it enough to unlock them if you make them still unlockable through normal gameplay. I just, <laughs> please, for the love of God, don't add, you know, but I would love Luigi with like a sausage or a baguette or whatever the latest <laughs> regional incarnation you know funny. of Luigi is. You know what's funny is Nintendo could totally get away with announcing new DLC specific to Deluxe. Like all this time later, they could totally get away with, with announcing oh, a yeah. couple more packs. shocking yeah. to me that they haven't. Me too. I mean, yeah. I have to wonder if maybe just they didn't have very good foresight on this and like hard coded an upper limit to how many things they could add to the game. And, and it would require a significant rework or something. I don't know why they haven't. I mean, there's tens of millions of people with this game now, all of whom probably want at least just a new track. And I mean, yeah. if they announced, you know, a, a season pass for 2021 for Mario Kart eight, some what eight years after the game initially came out, I'd buy it. <laughs> I'd buy yeah, it in a same. heartbeat. I wouldn't even think about it. Of course I'd buy it. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, yeah, I, I don't really understand the rationale behind not doing something like that. And uh, especially because it continues to sell so well. So if you think on top of the context, they can, you know, that it was the sixth best selling game in, uh, in the U.S. last month. Uh, that's just more audience, more potential audience to buy your new DLC. So I, I love it ideas in the chat uh, i think it started with joseph bayer god slayer bowser and then everybody of course picked it up like <laughs> you know a level based off the uh the the well, i forget what the cat area is called in bowser's fury lake but catch yeah a lake yeah. lap cat track where like randomly bowser god you know <laughs> giga bowser will show up or whatever i forget god slayer bowser i can't remember his legit name um shows up and causes havoc and changes up the course that'd be kind of cool and give me sort of vibes of uh Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed. Oh, you know what would be really cool? Like, God, God Slayer Bowser, or, or Fury Bowser, I think is the official name. And then that's, Super, that's Super Saiyan Cat Mario, like, battle in the middle of the course. And you have to, like, drive up and down them and get back on track. Oh, I, I want that. That would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> I want that. Oh. Same. Mario Same. Kart 9, please eventually come, but I understand why you're not. But uh, with that, I think we've covered all... All of the news for today. And, uh, uh, indeed. uh, man, I almost like instinctively was like, Ash, where can we find you? Right here. <laughs> right here. It's Friday. I'm tired. My computer's broken. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm non functional. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Before we continue on, and as I pull up our EP squad list, because I'm not doing the same thing I did last time, uh, <laughs> we have to give an extra special thank you to all of our patrons at the producer tier and above for helping to make this show happen. We truly could not do it without you. Your generosity means the world to us. We're so, so thankful for your support, and we can't wait in just a few minutes to tell you what's happening with the future of this channel. Uh, but before we, we get into the nitty gritty of all that stuff... We have to give a huge thank you to our patrons at the executive producer tier, the EP squad, my friends. And those fine folks are Jared Edinger, Brandon Bovia, Rob Arman X, Dan and Twistle, Z Patty, Hyrule Hermit, Sky Blue Flames, Adam O'Sullivan, Richard Herrera, Michael Phone, Floating Mew, Aiko Carroll, Christopher, The D Pad, Vesmio, Waffle King, Nick Waterman, Kitty Kong Facts, Angel Martinez, Vedran Hotik, Makalau, John, Joshua Hunter, Evernight Studio, Benny Yao, Azran127, Kenrule09, Jake Pelka, Geller, Joseph Rutkin, Titus Malvolio, Charlie Bird, 
Lucky Wonderfish, Top Dog 23100, Young Ben Kenobi, Douglas Chomix, Andrew Medeiros, Oram M, Patrick Harrison, Becca, Rocks the Cat, Fizzywig Hoyd, Flaming Highwayman, Sean Garrett, The Legend of Groose, Eddie B, Kai Ed, Kit Fisto, West A, Masterlinks, Sean Davis, Sean Davis, Sean Dina, Dina, <laughs> Jackson Jordan, Michael McCaw, Matthew Wong, Ashish Joshi, Goron Amber, Straight Lace, Hooby, Wolf X Blake and Moon Macarons, Kane, Captain Finlandia, 60 Minutes and 60 Seconds, The Game Orb, Dano the Artist, Synchro Lord, Brain Child, My Mom, Hi Mom, Scuff196, <laughs> Skull Kid Tiger, AJB Cool, Jason Uloa, Jaden Buck, Phantom Project, Wheezy Penguin, and Anthony Wilson Jr. And remember, Woo! you can become a patron over at <laughs> patreon.com slash gvgaming where you can watch today's news tonight live and get exclusive access to our post show for as little as $5 a month. Thank you all so much for watching. If you like this video, please be sure to subscribe to Good Vibes Gaming for more good times like these. And until next time, good night and good vibes. Have a good weekend, Have a good weekend everybody. Bye.